Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as, or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. What's good, 365ers? My name is Britt Daniels, your co-host of Black Health 365, your fit life coach, yogi, and serial entrepreneur. Y'all know how it goes down here. It is our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted professionals. We are here to empower the Black community to make healthier choices all year long. And I'm joined by my beautiful co-host. Yes, personal trainer, radio personality, Jackie Page. Britt, how are you doing today? Jackie, we'll hop right in it. I am tired. Um, we are back at it. This is work is upon us. Um, so we, we in game mode today. Um, today, personally, actually, it's like a 16-hour day for me. It's been a long day between what running. What you been doing? multiple clients setting up different contracts with corporations oh, um, popping in these streets you know how we do it jackie we, we stay busy <laughs> <laughs> I, I do try to stack my days like that so i have other rest days but it's just one of those crucible type of days where you get through it i, I am a serial uh, che- uh i like to check things off <laughs> i like to check things off i understand so that we, we we getting through it today um with that being said i am grateful for the opportunities i've been presented one word that i came into this year with was two words actually one was uh scaling how can i scale to touch more lives and two receive how can i receive more spiritually physically um mentally so it's been an interesting year to say the least what about you i ain't gonna hold you i'm tired too mm-hmm. baby um the last week has just been a lot when i tell you like event after event so 365ers i'm a radio personality in atlanta but when i tell you it's like event after event um, meeting after meeting, I'm literally like, what day is it? And I said that on air today. I was like, I, I said, like, I'm like, is this Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? Like, I legitly didn't know what day it was. And I'm sure somebody in the car got a good laugh out of that. But I was being real, like, I didn't know what day it was. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly what day it is. But hey, it'll be like that sometime. But no, when you say like tired, like completely tired. And it does not make it any better that. I mean, they not like super bad, but like my allergies are kind of like trickling a little bit. So that's just like making me extra tired and I want to take something, but then I don't want to take something because if I take something that I may be, and I understand there's the non-drowsy kind. However, that drowsy kind hit, that drowsy kind that you take, it just hit a little different. So all that being said, um, I'm trying not to take anything because I'm trying to like, you know, stay alert. But baby, when I tell you just like it's a game of things right now, I'm like, <laughs> make it stop. Like I you said, very grateful for everything. 
But I am in a space of just like, yo, I need a nap. And yeah, a lot of people be having issues, uh, Jackie, from my clients to family members. And it seems like some people are getting them at different times. So it's, it's, it's really weird. Um, what have your allergies been like? So I've suffered with allergies all of my life. Um, they used to be really ghetto in D.C., like ghetto, ghetto. They haven't been as bad here in Atlanta. But ever so often, they kind of pick back up and decide, like, <laughs> I'm a real my ugly face. Um, so I kind of feel like it's a slight, like, hmm, let me just remind you, you got allergies. Um, so they haven't been super bad, but they here. And, and it's like, why is my eye itching and why am I, for no reason, like make it make sense. I understand. Um, that kind of like gets us to our Dharma talk today. Um, there's so many things out of our control. Um, and today's Dharma talk for our 365ers, we'd like to start our conversations off with, um, the small sermons to set the tone for the conversation today. We are talking about allergies and going to get into the science of it. Going to have a great, um, very intelligent um, guest today to talk about what allergies are and, and what symptoms can be and how you can navigate it. But getting to this concept, allergies, a lot of times they're out of our control. A lot of things in life are out of our control. Um, so as, as people, it's often that we try to apply control over so many aspects of our life, from our thoughts to our emotions, to people, to situations around us. However, the truth is there are things that are simply not within our control. And when we try to control everything, we create stress, anxiety. We become attached to certain outcomes and become disappointed and maybe even frustrated when things don't go our way, don't go as planned. Um, this attachment to control can cause us to miss out on the beauty of the now life, prevent us from experiencing new and unexpected opportunities. Um, you know, I, I come from a Buddhist tradition and in the Buddhist tradition, there's this concept of letting go. It's essential and involves releasing our attachment to desires and outcomes and accepting the present moment as it is. And by letting go, you can cultivate that sense of peace and equanimity, um, even in the face of uncertainty and, and change. Right. So, yeah, letting go allows us to cultivate this trust in ourselves and I guess the universe, you, get, you know, let God, let, let him do it. Right. Um, when you let go, you realize uh, you don't have to have all the answers. Um, you deal with life where it's at. Life shows up where it's at. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, allergies, again, aren't something that's many times in our control. They can honestly seem mysterious. Baby. Um, <laughs> So it's <laughs> in yeah. more ways than four. Okay. <laughs> this is a, this is an interesting conversation. Um, just you know, looking at some information from the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Um, you know, it is May is uh, National Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month. But you know, just let's be real: allergies affect people all year all year long. long. Doesn't matter when, um, even in the winter, which is kind of crazy because, well, I deal with a lot of like the seasonal allergies that still kind of affect me all year long. But anywho, it's really crazy that it is like something that, you know, bothers people all year long. But, um, you know, to your point, yes, you know, May is asthma and allergy, um, you know, awareness month, but it is something that people deal with all year long, unfortunately. You know, yeah, I think a lot of people, when it comes to allergens, we we think of the springtime pollen, mm -hmm. as you just mentioned, um, and what I, I assumed I was dealing with for like two and a half weeks. Uh, but, you know, allergens come in many forms, right? We also think of pet allergens we get from pet fur. Um, food. Food, yeah, which is a big one. Like, uh, I think my brother, he had a peanut and a um, 
shellfish allergy growing up. So he had to be very careful with what he ate. And those are like the scariest to me because I like to eat. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have any food allergies. Well, actually, I had one. I, had, I was allergic to chocolate when I was a kid. Not anymore. No. Why? Oh <laughs> that is actually one of my fears that I will. And this actually happens to people where they develop an allergy to like food as they get older. That's one of my because I love to eat. That's actually one of my fears that I may hit an age, eat something and I can't eat it no more because I didn't de developed an allergy to it. Like that's a legit fear. <laughs> and that's that's a mess. Legit I feel like fun. it's a glitch in our system. I feel like a video game character. I'm like, son, just go straight. Like what? I'm just living my life eating everything I want to eat. And then one day I can't eat some more. Like what's going on with my body? <laughs> yeah. It's like what it, it's, it's, you know, it kind of goes back to the science of our bodies. I think a lot of times we forget that our body, you know, is a machine and it, and it kind of does whatever it wants to do. And there's a lot of science that goes into our body. Um, and it's something that we forget. So it, it's a great reminder that your body is kind of like a machine. It is, you know, there's science in this thing. So it will change and changes don't come. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very excited to speak with our guests and, you know, this is Black Health 365. So, you know, we're talking about the black community here. And so I'm just interested, you know, obviously everyone has allergies um, and they are clearly black people too. But, you know, it's, it's, it seems that from research coming from the asthma um, online community for asthma and allergies, um, some research I've done, you know, black Americans are more likely to be diagnosed with asthma compared to white Americans. Why is that? Um, two times as likely to, to have a hospital stay due to asthma, three times as likely to die from asthma, five times as likely to visit the emergency department due to asthma. So I'm, I'm interested in speaking with our guests and understanding what are some of these deeper roots. Um, um, and, I'll, and I'll leave it there for you to introduce. Yes. So without further ado, um, I have Dr. Bridget L. Jones, who holds a faculty appointment as professor of pediatrics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. She is a clinical scientist with a focus in therapeutics and interventions to improve the lives of children with asthma. Uh, Dr. Jones, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. I was tired before I got on, but you guys have given me some energy. <laughs> well, thank you. Really excited to have you on. Um, I think both me and Britt uh, share the same sentiments. Um, we deal with allergies and have dealt with allergies all of our lives, and the questions are real. I did, do you have allergies? I actually don't. Isn't that weird? It is. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Knock on wood. Knock on something. <laughs> I, I don't have any allergies right now. I mean, because, yeah, as we get older, things do change. So you, you know, may not have them today and may have them tomorrow. But I, I think I want to start with a very, like, elementary question. Um, what exactly is an allergen? So an allergen could really be anything. Um, so an allergen is something that your body develops an immune response to and a specific type of immune response. So where your body makes an antibody called IgE. And then that IgE binds to cells in your body called mast cells that break open when you are exposed to that allergen and releases things like histamine that causes you to itch and sneeze and have hives and have runny nose. So there are multiple things that can elicit that type of response that we call allergens. So things like pollens, things like mold, um, pet dander, so cat and dog dander, but also things like foods 
um, can elicit that IgE response. Sometimes different medications that we take can elicit that IgE response. So pretty much anything could elicit that theoretically, but it seems like there are certain classes of different proteins that, that one can be exposed to that typically causes an allergic um, response. With that being said, um, as organisms, are allergies genetic? Where, like, where do they come from? Why do we have allergens? It's, it feels like a defect for our existence. <laughs> Yeah, so there is there's likely a genetic component to allergies. So we know that allergies um, can be passed down. So if your parents have allergies, then you're more likely to have allergies, or you're more likely to pass that on to your child if you have allergic conditions like what we call allergic rhinitis or runny nose um, with with allergies. Or if you have asthma, you're more likely to pass that down. We don't know of a one specific gene that turns allergies off or on. So what we think is there's probably a combination of things that have to happen. So you probably have to have some genetic component, some genetic predisposition. And then on top of that, you probably have to have some type of um, exposure at a certain time. So it could be being exposed to allergens at a certain time, but there's also things that happen in our body when we're exposed to things like viruses. So we know that viruses, being exposed to viruses, certain viruses when you're a young child are, are a big cause of developing asthma, which is a type of an allergic um, condition. So there's probably several different factors that kind of have to come into play for you to develop certain types of allergies. But so you said like there are certain viruses that, um, you know, kids can get uh, as they're growing up that develops or brings about asthma. Is that the same for adults? Because I know of people who, you know, I have friends who all their life never had asthma and then all of a sudden got older and boom, here it is. Yeah. So typically asthma, you typically aren't diagnosed with asthma um, as an adult, usually you have some symptoms as a kid, whether it was truly diagnosed or not, but maybe as a kid, you coughed a lot when you got a cold um, and maybe no one really picked up on that kind of consistent pattern. And as you get older, we do know, especially with women, as you get, get older with different hormonal changes. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Changes can cause exacerbations or increased symptoms of asthma. So maybe it wasn't recognized as much when you were a younger child and when other things started to ha happen in your body that caused your symptoms to be a little bit more pronounced and then you you know, eventually got a formal diagnosis of asthma because your symptoms were more persistent. That is so crazy. I'm just... The <laughs> so there's lots of factors. That's the thing that makes it really, you know, 
complex of us kind of figuring out what exactly causes it and then figuring out, you know, what are the specific treatments for these different conditions that are very, you know, heterogeneous. They're all very different from having asthma to having allergic rhinitis to having eczema or skin conditions that um, are related to allergies. They're all very different. Um, and there's lots of different drivers of those. And so many aspects of health, um, we talk about preventative measures. Going back to our Dharma talk, lack of control. Is asthma, is, that, is there anything preventative you can do? Not that we really know of at this point. Um, you know, like I said, it, it seems to have to be this, this combination of maybe a genetic predisposition with being exposed to a virus at a certain time. You know, what we did learn um, observed in COVID was that masking seemed to help and we'll have to continue to follow the data. But I just saw a study today that, that showed kind of the association between babies getting certain viruses or not and developing asthma as they got older. And so, you know, not being exposed to those certain viruses at a certain age may help prevent asthma. So things like masking, what we saw in COVID was there was much less, um, the rates of asthma were much less during COVID when kids were home or they, when they were out, they were masked, they weren't getting as many viruses and their asthma control was much better during that time. That's an interesting comparative study. I'm just thinking about, I used to live in Japan and even before COVID, everyone wore masks. And I'm just wondering like from a comparative study on a global scale, does, does that population deal with less allergens? Due because to they have on a mask all the time. <laughs> right, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know that that data specifically, but you know, you think about you know less exposure to viruses, but also less exposure exposure to pollutants, which we also know drives things like asthma and allergic disease. Um, so theoretically, you know, if you're thinking about prevention, you know, masking at certain times may help prevent exposure to things we know drive allergic disease. So speaking of prevention, and this may be a crazy wild question, but I have allergies. Um, I don't have any kids. Is there anything that I can do now to ensure that, you know, if I do have an offspring that my child doesn't have to deal with allergies because the, they, they are the absolute worst. And I don't, I don't want anybody else to have to deal with what I go through. Yeah, it, probably not. <laughs> There's probably not anything that you can really do to control that. Um, you know, like I said, genetics is probably a, a small component of it, but it's all these other factors that are, you know, living kind of a, a normal life where you go out and you interact with people. There's probably not a lot that you can control about that, you know, unless you decide to live in a bubble or try to go somewhere where there's no allergens in the air. Um, it, it's it's probably going to be difficult to to avoid, but it doesn't just because you have allergies doesn't necessarily mean that you're kids will 100% have allergies. Um, I, I hate to say I feel like they just may, but they just may because my dad has allergies and I'm 99.99999% sure I got them from him. Yeah, yeah. So it's passed down. Yeah. That makes it, you know, going back to our earlier statement, this makes allergies feel so mystical to me. <laughs> like we don't know. Um, you say it's genetically passed. It can be genetically passed on, but we can't identify the gene 
where now, the allergies. Probably not one specific gene. <laughs> yeah. So there's, and also the way that your genes work is there's some genes that are what we call kind of describe as turned on or turned off at different times. And there's different things that turn them on and turn them off. So viral exposures can turn on or turn off genes. Pollution can turn on and turn them off. And things like chronic stress, um, toxic stress, we're learning now that can turn on or turn off different genes. So it's even not as simple as, you know, you have this specific gene, it's which ones are kind of turned on and turned off at certain times and how they're all interacting with one another. For me, this really just emphasizes how amazing the human body is. Life is in general, just how like just this product of us being here. There's so many different processes happening, even as I'm talking right now. Um, it's, that's crazy. Well, extending the conversation of genetics, are there, is there data to suggest that certain ethnicities, certain groups of people are more prone to their certain allergies more than others? If that makes sense. So not from a genetic basis. So, um, you know, when we talk about genetics and race and ethnicity, we have to recognize that race and ethnicity are social constructs. They're not biological at all. They're made up definitions that have been used to categorize people and put people in groups, but they really have no biological significance at all. But what is linked with race and ethnicity are social drivers that people are more likely to be exposed to based on their race. So, you know, for African-American or for Black people, they may more likely be exposed to things like pollutants because of things like redlining that occurred in cities where there's highways beside Black neighborhoods. So you're more likely to be exposed to pollution, more pollution. You may be more likely to be exposed to certain viruses just because of the, the workforce and what jobs may be available to certain groups. Um, like I mentioned before, things like chronic stress and toxic stress. We're learning a lot more about how chronic stress and toxic stress um, and specifically stress from racism um, are impacting Black people um, and leading to kind of turning off and turning on these genes that may lead to, to more allergies um, or asthma risk. And so it's not tied to your, your genetics relative to race, it's more so tied to the social factors that you you may be more likely to be exposed to um, because of this racial categorization that we've come up with, um, you know, to, to determine opportunity, determine kind of what job you have, determine, you know, what your day-to-day -day life is going to be like. Speaking of exposure, I kind of want to get personal here and talk about some of the allergies that I deal with, and maybe I can get some clarity on my own personal life. So I know for sure. So I've never had an allergy test, so let's start there. So a lot of this is off of <laughs> assumption, um, but I know for sure uh, cat dander sends me every single time. And I want to say like grass and the cherry blossoms in D.C. <sighs> takes me out of here. I used to live in D.C. I live in Atlanta now. I don't understand. I'm from North Carolina. I don't understand why my allergies were worse in D.C. and in North Carolina, and they're not as worse here. Like, what is that about? Yeah, so it's probably the specific allergens vary from region to region. So in certain er 
parts of the country, there are certain tree pollens that are more prevalent um, in the air than others. So, so here in Kansas City, we tend to see a lot of juniper pollen, a lot of oak pollen, um, where um, in Arkansas, from where I'm from, there's a lot of pine pollen. And so depending on where you live, you're exposed to different pollens, different moles and things like that. And so I don't know how long you've been in Atlanta. You, you may not have been in Atlanta long enough to develop allergies to those things that are in the, in the air yet. Um, so with time, you could, maybe you, you may not, but you could develop sensitivity to those allergens over time. So it usually takes, you know, around three or four seasons to, to, to start to develop sensitivity to, to different allergens. Um, and so it, it, it just may be a, a matter of time. Dr. Jones, I'm laughing, trying not to cry. I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm like, I'm good. You like, actually, sis, uh, pipe down because they may be coming. But that is good to know because that's something I've always wondered. I felt like as I've moved, um, I've seen like, you know, different levels of my allergies. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not so great. So far, Atlanta has been pretty okay. Um, when I lived in Richmond, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia was pretty okay. But D.C., and I grew up in North Carolina. North Carolina has always been worse for me. Like, I can go from one state and come to North Carolina, and it'll be fall. And I'm like, I can't breathe. Like, my eyes are watering and burning. So that's just something I was always very interested in. Um, speaking of, you know, kind of just staying on the topic of exposure, um, how is it that you can ingest the food and be perfectly fine, touch the food and have an allergic reaction or vice versa. Like you can't ingest it, but you can touch it. Like what is that exposure situation about? So usually, you know, if you, if you have a true food allergy, what we would call an IgE mediated food allergy, usually ingestion is going to be the main way that elicits an allergic response. Cause you have to you have to get enough in your system to cause that immune response. So usually just touching a food won't cause a true allergic reaction. You might get like a, you know, in kids that have um, food allergies, um, you know, when they eat, they get messy. And so sometimes just touching the food on their skin can cause redness there. And so that's typically not considered an allergic reaction. But if they eat the food and they start to to have coughing or wheezing and develop hives, that's considered an allergic reaction. Um, and so just because you may get a little bit of redness when you touch a food, there's, you know, there's irritants that are in foods as well. So there's additives and preservatives that irritate our skin sometimes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're allergic to that food. I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, these factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. To get a true... To get a true idea of what you are and what you're allergic to... Is it important or is it really necessary to have um, an allergy test? I feel like over the years, I keep telling myself, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to get tested and, you know, see what I'm allergic to. But I just feel like it's the same common, like, it's the same things year after year. Like, why I'm, is it really necessary for me to do that? I think it's helpful, you know, 
if, if your allergies are very significant during a certain time of year or they're bothering you all year round, I think it's helpful to know exactly what those allergens are in the environment um, because you can, you know, you can know when those allergens are in the air. So the McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Usually news reports give the pollen counts. Um, and so you can find out, okay, on this day, today, the pollen count is really, really high. So I would, should maybe limit my exposure outdoors or keep my window shut in, in my house or in my car or make sure when I come home to take a shower and change clothes, um, make sure you're taking your, your allergy medicines. You have your allergy medicines on board. So it helps you kind of plan to try to avoid your allergies um, and also to make sure that you have treatments on board. If there's things that are identified that are in your home that are allergens, so pet dander, um, but also there's things like dust mites, there's cockroach allergens, where there are th- you can do things about that in your home to limit um, those exposures. So, you know, I, I think it depends on the, the quality of life impact. If your symptoms are having a significant quality of life impact on you, testing is, is often helpful. Yeah, I often think about, you know, for people who have kids, um, recommending that it, it would seem important to get an allergy test for your kids um because you just you don't want that scary situation where they eat something and yeah you have to find out the hard way yeah i would cautious against getting kind of blind testing especially for foods um you know for food allergy testing it tends it should be very specific to what you're suspicious of what you've possibly had a reaction to because the food allergy testing is not as accurate it has what we call a high false positive rate so we really want to test for things that we're suspicious of and not do like big panels of multiple foods because lots of things will come back positive oh that's interesting so maybe i wasn't allergic to chocolate when i was a kid um, yeah, if you didn't have a reaction to chocolate, if you were just tested to chocolate and it was positive and you never had a reaction to it when you ate it. Not to my knowledge, then, not to my, yeah. you know, not to my, I was told and I just never ate chocolate. And to this day, I don't eat chocolate. <laughs> um, really? But I can, eat, I can yeah. eat chocolate and I have, but I just go out of my way to not eat chocolate. Um, I don't want to encourage yeah. you to eat chocolate, but I feel like you should just try it just to see. Okay. Chocolate allergy is rare. <laughs> Um, I've and had one patient. My parents lied to me. Or maybe she does see an allergist just to confirm. But <laughs> that's a really interesting. I wonder how many parents like actually do that to keep their kids from eating certain things. Like, oh, you're allergic to this, so you can't have it. It looks like it worked for you, Britt. Um, we're not giving y'all ideas. Don't lie to your kids <laughs> about that. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Jones, what are some ways to treat allergies? I know you just mentioned like, you know, taking your allergy medicine. Um, 
I've also heard that you can do like lo the local honey as a method of like treating allergies. So, you know, just kind of wanted to ask you that, like, what are some of the different outside of, you know, what we know, like the generic, you know, going to go get medicines. Are there other things that we can do to treat allergies? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, you know, avoidance if you can. So knowing kind of the pollen counts, limiting outdoor exposures, if there's things that are indoors, environmental controls to, to get those um, um, out of the way. Um, the, the medical treatments are things like antihistamines, um, nasal steroids. You can use antihistamine eye drops, um, but also there's immunotherapy or allergy shots that we can do. Um, that's typically for patients that you know, have been on medications and medications have failed and they're still having significant quality of life impacts. And so there are shots that are given that actually have some of the allergen in them and it kind of desensitizes your immune system over time to where your immune system no longer recognizes that, that allergen. Um, and then there's also sublingual allergen drops now that are available that are um, FDA approved that are for um, single allergens. We only have them available now for ragweed, pollen, um, and um, one tree pollen, um, but they're just drops that you can put underneath your tongue and, and use those at home instead of shots where you typically have to come into a, a doctor's office. Um, there are, you know, a few studies out there that show that, you know, the local pollen may work in some ways similar to kind of algae shots because, you know, the bees gather the pollen and that's how they make the honey. So it probably has a little bit of the allergen content in it. And over time, the idea is it may help desensitize you. Um, but it's not a it's not a studied method where we have clear data that it's that it's really effective. You know, we've been talking a lot about allergens, uh, but we actually haven't talked about the symptoms, I believe, completely like, a, you know, um, what are some symptoms that you may be having an allergic reaction to something? Of course, we know pollen, you know, you may get stuffy nose and disgusting mucus and stuff. But what are some other symptoms, a, a wide range of symptoms that one can experience? Yeah, so if you're having an allergic reaction, so that's different than just like nasal allergies. Um, an allergic reaction is typically a pretty fast onset after you've been exposed to an allergen. So whether it's a food or whether it's a medication or a drug, so it usually happens within half an hour or so of being exposed. Um, the most common symptom from that type of reaction are hives. So like a raised, red, itchy, kind of whelp type rash. Um, and so that typically occurs pretty quickly. Um, and then you can start to have other symptoms like coughing, kind of like an asthma cough, wheezing, um, you know, runny nose, um, just itching in general. Um, and then also vomiting and diarrhea can happen with very severe allergic reactions or what we call anaphylaxis. Um, and so anaphylaxis is when you have more than two body systems involved. So you have, you could have hives and wheezing. So that's called anaphylaxis, and that's a severe allergic reaction that you probably need to call 911 for if you, or if you have um, injectable epinephrine at home, you can treat yourself, then call 911. It's interesting to hear you say that because it, it, all this is just a, a take, this is a lot for me right now. Um, it's crazy to hear because I don't know, when I think about my allergies, I just think about me and what I deal with. Um, but, you know, Britt deals with something different when he deals with his allergies and the next person deals with something different. It's just so interesting to hear that there's so many different types of allergies. 
um, and, and different uh, responses to it, which I'm sure, as you said, just makes it really hard to kind of like find um, like a, a, a general cure for it all because it's just so many different kinds. They do they transform this is this again maybe a very like mm, Jackie what type of question is this um but can allergies I don't know like mutate I just well you can you can gain more allergies like I talked about as you get older um or different allergies um you know typically allergies don't go away unless you do something like allergy shots or, or immunotherapy but um, you could gain more allergies from things that are environment, but there also are certain foods that you can develop later on in life, food allergies that can come later on in life. Most food allergies are diagnosed in early childhood. So most food allergies are diagnosed by the time a child is school age. Um, but there are some food allergies that for some reason that we don't completely understand that you could develop later on in life. So things like um, shellfish allergies, fish allergies, and there's also meat allergies that can be developed um, pretty much at, at any stage as well. I know I said this to Britt earlier, but that is a fear of mine to develop a food allergy because I love fish, I love shellfish, and I love meat. So for you to say like, oh, you got an allergy and you can't eat this anymore, it would send me. I, I would I would cry. Yeah, those are, those are really hard ones, you know, for, for adults, um, you know, to been able to eat this food all your life. And then all of a sudden you, you have an allergy to it. Doctor, I've learned so much in this conversation and still at the same time, allergies still remain this, this mysterious thing to me. Um, two questions. What made you get into this field? What, what led you to this field? And, and two, what would you define the role of allergies? Yeah, so the, the thing that drew me into the field was mainly asthma and treating asthma. So, um, you know, I started out in pediatrics. I did a resident general pediatrics. And um, in that, you know, I saw a lot of patients with asthma, in particular, a lot of Black children with asthma that was uncontrolled. And so it gave me a, a lot of satisfaction to be able to help those families and, and help those, those children kind of come up with regimens that work for them. And so that's really what, what pulled me into the field. Um, and then, you know, as, as we talk today, you know, it's very complex. So it's actually really interesting field and there's a lot that we don't know about it. And so there's a lot of science um, that's, that's left to be understood. And so that, that's just really intriguing for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, Cause this is, <laughs> It's a lot that gets into the whole allergy thing, um, which we clearly have gotten into some uh, today. Dr. Jones, thank you so much for coming on and just, you know, shedding some light on allergies. I know there's so much more that we could talk about um, because, again, this is just like a really big, big thing that affects a lot of people. Um, if people want to um, reach out to you, if they want to contact you to, um, you know, talk a little bit more maybe about their allergies or the asthma that they may, may be dealing with, where can they do that at? Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter at BLJ08 is my Twitter handle. Um, and then I can be reached through the Charles Mercy website. So Charles Mercy in Kansas City. 
So 365ers, if you have allergies, if you are struggling, Dr. Jones could be a great resource. And speaking of resource, um, do you have any suggestions of resources um, that the 365ers can kind of tap into when it comes to asthma and allergies? Yeah, so the American Academy of Allergy Immunology has a great website that has patient-facing information that's really helpful. Um, I think you already mentioned the Allergy and Asthma Foundation um, website as well. Um, for pediatrics, especially for food allergies, the American Academy of Pediatrics has a lot of great information. And then the National Medical Association, which is the Black Physicians Medical Association, has an allergy immunology section. So that's, a, that's another great place to go to for information. Dr. Jones, thank you so much. Um, definitely appreciate it. Um, 365ers, you know, we got to leave you with what's your 365. And today, show empathy because you don't know what people are going through. Um, I think one of the things that we realized in this conversation is that, you know, allergies is something that a lot of people deal with. You may not know it um, and it affects everybody differently. Um, like I know with me, I get the itchy, runny nose, um, Sometimes the dry mouth, uh, itchy, watery eyes, like it could be for some people a debilitating thing um, and you may not know it. So, you know, show empathy because, again, you never know what somebody is going through. So be, be a little empathetic today, tomorrow and the rest of the week. Um, 365ers, as always, if you want to um, reach out to me, Britt, um, you got anything that you want us to cover or talk about, hit us up on Instagram, slide in them DMs. Black Health 365, Black Health 365. That is the handle. You can find me at Love Jackie Page. And you can find me at ProfitFitness.life. Remember, 365ers, it is your responsibility to be an advocate for your health. Peace and I'm gonna stay in love. Black Health 365 is an urban one and reach media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.